Uh, my name is JP Lagarte. I researched Nelson Algren, class of 1931 at the University of Illinois, for the 2022 Illini Media Hall of Fame. He died in 1981, and while he was at the university, he was a reporter for the Daily Illini. And so after his time at the DI, he grew to be a fiction writer and a sort of reporter on you know, the ins and outs of Chicago what was at the forefront, but also, you know, the nitty gritty, the things that people tend to hide about Chicago. For our 150th anniversary here at the Illini Media Company, we are sitting down with 20 talented and successful alumni to talk about their experience at the University of Illinois, the Daily Illini, WPGU, and the Ilio Yearbook. On April 9th, we inducted all 20 into the 2022 class of our Illini Media Hall of Fame. Nelson Algren was an American author whose 1949 novel, The Man with the Golden Arm, won the National Book Award for Fiction and was later made into a movie with protagonist Frankie Machine, played by Frank Sinatra. Algen was born in 1909 in Detroit and raised on the south side of Chicago. He was a reporter for the Daily Illini and graduated from Illinois in 1931. Algren was inducted into the Academy of Arts and Letters shortly before his death in 1981 at the age of 72. Today, WPGU Program Director Jason Ubalone speaks with Daily Illini Investigative News and Longform Editor J.P. Lagarte, who wrote the Daily Illini's profile on Daily Illini alumnus and 2022 Illini Media Hall of Fame inductee Nelson Algren. J.P., thank you for taking some time to sit down and talk with us about Nelson Algren. Uh, I want to start off by asking a little bit about his kind of way that he got to where he is, because we all know the kind of uh, legendary status of his writing and his his books and all that kind of stuff. But uh, how did he get to that point? How did he get to that? First of all, I mean, how did he get to Illinois? Right. So honestly, with Nelson Algren, he has a very unique, interesting and very filled origin story, I must say. So I'll just start um, all the way back in his childhood. I think that might honestly provide some context for some things that he went through. Um, and so starting out, he grew up in Chicago as part of a working class family. So already early in his life, there was certain barriers and obstacles to the things that he wanted to pursue. Uh, his dad was a mechanic and his mother was a homemaker. Um, and that might tell you a little more about his background already. And, you know, his parents, they actually tried to discourage him from attending college or pursuing college again, just because of the background they came from. But eventually it was actually his sister who convinces him like, Hey, you should do this. You should pursue college. Uh, that brought him to the University of Illinois at Urbana-Champaign um, around 1927. And so once he got to the university, uh, he majored in journalism, discovered it there and wanted to explore it further. That being said, once he graduated um, in 1931, he does so in the midst of the Great Depression, uh, which is just not a great time in general, of course, but also just for job prospects. So he really struggled a lot with trying to find like jobs at like city papers or honestly, I'll just even say jobs in general, just not much open doors. And so this leads him to become a hitchhiker. I as he was traveling around the country, he even participated, unfortunately, in some like scam activities, like selling fake gift cards all the way down in New Orleans. 
I have actually heard, uh, you know, the the quote, I guess, or or the the story is that at some point, because it was so hard for him to find a job, even outside of journalism and the stuff that he was studying, that he uh, he worked as a coffee salesman, as a as a carnival worker. Um, but in general, he's well known for being someone who just kind of hung around in sort of seedy places, maybe places that most people wouldn't want to do. So I, I want to ask you uh, a bit more of a leading question of of how did that experience of of hitchhiking around the world, like you say, kind of influence and inform his journalism as he got into that world? Yes. So in terms of like those different types of jobs, um, um, it ties into this thing of he always stayed connected to a lot of people encountered, but more specifically, those on the fringes of society. I think that's a, I think that's a really good way of putting it. Um, just because he knew what it was like to be on the fridge once he graduated from college, you know? Um, and so that led him to connect with these people who later on became his sources for a lot of the things that he wrote about. Um, kind of just uh, to go a little bit backwards to kind of get to that point, um, you know, eventually he does come back to Chicago and, you know, writes about or writes these letters about the deceiving nature of the American dream or American society as a whole, really. Um, and so eventually he does submit one of these letters for publication consideration within Chicago. And lo and behold, it actually turns into his one of his one of his first short stories. Um, and so from there, it sort of springboards him into his growth and fame and whatnot. Um, and kind of to tie certain things together, it's just interesting because you can label him as a reporter, but he never became a traditional journalist, really. Um, he becomes more of a just writer in a general sense. Um, and I can just add that it's one thing that separates him from a lot of other people who pursue journalism, just because it blended or morphed into this thing where he really wrote about, oh, what does the underbelly of Chicago look like? And so... Yeah, I would say that that ties into um, his growing fame, but also, you know, how his past jobs connected or informed how he wrote his pieces that, you know, eventually got him famous. Yeah, fame, but infamy, right? Almost right. in a way, because his uh, the most popular work, I think something that everyone maybe knows Nelson Algren for is this this essay, Chicago City on the Make, right? And that essay, uh, mixed reviews, huge mixed reviews, right? You have uh, Ernest Hemingway stepping up and saying, you know, he, he loves it. It's great. Uh, it got banned from the Chicago Public Library. Right. Uh, so it's not necessarily just fame. He has some people that maybe don't like that he's saying these things about people's cities. So uh, I want to ask you his um, as he becomes more famous, as you say, as he kind of gets this acclaim, uh, how does that change his writing? Does it change it at all? And what does he go on from? Yeah, it's very interesting. I would actually say that it's his work that tries to instigate a lot of change, but maybe his work doesn't change as much as some people believe it to be, you know, throughout, you know, throughout his writing career. Well, a lot of things stay common or constant, I should say, really. But I just have to emphasize the fact that, um, you know, the thing that got him famous, like exposing the underbelly of society and writing about, you know, these people on the fringes, whether like the poor, the prostitutes, the criminals, the corrupt. Um, honestly, that has never changed across like a lot of his works, really. And so that's something that he was always that's something that he was always persistent about. That was 
a very core belief of his that it was the duty of a writer, a reporter, and in some cases, just the individual in general to uncover these aspects of society that people push away so that the truth can come out no matter how buried or dirtied or even polluted it is. That's why, that's again, that's why he was persistent about it because he was so adamant in that belief to the point where like, you know, eventually, to provide some context, America eventually gets out of the Great Depression. America gets better economically. And, you know, around that time as well, maybe not the exact same time, but around that time as well, there's also admittedly um, the Red Scare where a lot of people were being accused of, you know, being associated with communism and whatnot. Um, and so with... So going to the economy aspect of it, um, even as America got better, he still wrote about the poor. He still wrote about sort of the past, um, for better and for worse in a lot of cases. And, you know, it ties into that sort of thing where a lot of people, you know, they liked him originally for this uncovering, this exposure, but now they hated it because he stuck with it, unfortunately. But you know, he tried not to let that get to him. In terms of the Red Scare, though, it's sort of a different story because Algren himself was accused of being associated with communism. And so that actually led to the FBI having a profile on him and like just checking up on him like very often to the point where he was paranoid, admittedly, and, you know, it affected him mentally. And so that you know, kind of go, uh, maybe I might be jumping ahead a little bit, but it ties into, it could potentially tie into why later on in life he had trouble getting some book contracts, unfortunately. But even as I say that, again, he was still very steadfast in like the topics he, uh, you know, stuck with. Yeah, it's so interesting. It's almost as if Nelson Algren and his writing stays the same and the things that he's covering stays the same. But as people become more you know, happy with the situation in the world, they lose a, a bit of respect for the people that are looking out for the little guys, right? So, you know, you mentioned getting into the Red Scare, but around that time is this unprecedented era of uh, pros prosperity in, in the United States. So um, I guess what I'm hearing from you is that Nelson Algren wrote about things that needed to be uncovered, these sort of dark corners of the world, uh, the fringe, as you call it. And as, you know, maybe that wasn't mo most people's story or, or maybe people didn't relate as much with that story that he lost the acclaim that he had had. So I want you to kind of walk me through uh, what did he do around that time? I, we know Chicago City on the make, but what other things uh, is, he, is he known for? And, and uh, kind of trace for me the trajectory of Nelson Algren from acclaimed writer to, you know, accused communist. Right. Um, it's, there's like a few moments that stand out, both directly related and immediately unrelated to what you asked about too, because I think there's like a few factors that the few main factors that really do sort of contribute to like his um, decline, I suppose. And so again, I think it's worth it to reemphasize the fact that a lot of people didn't want to be reminded of the past. His probably his most well-known book titled The Man with the Golden Arm uh, is this story about this uh, World War II veteran who becomes an illicit card dealer. Um, his name is Frankie Machine. And it really uh, goes into like 
his struggles um, with addiction, corruption, um, those types of like dark topics and deep topics, of course, too. And so when if one were to look at this story, we already see how, but he's not afraid to really go in depth and he doesn't shy away from like, because some of these topics are already ugly. He doesn't shy away from like the uglier parts of the ugly, I guess is one way to put it really. Um, and so while that book was, uh, you know, well received, I think, again, just to further the point I mentioned earlier, the more he repeated it, the more... He made enemies, really. Not that he was, I guess in some senses, he was pushed in the corner, so to speak, even as he tried to stay steadfast in writing these things. Um, well, eventually after that, he was, you know, again, accused of being associated with communism. I think to go off of that disconnect, eventually he does disconnect from a lot of his original sources too. Um, the original sources he, you know, stayed close with in Chicago uh, and eventually retires to, you know, in the later parts of his life, retires to Long Island. You know, that connection didn't become as strong as it once was. Yeah, absolutely. I want to kind of close with um, the way that his work has affected other work, right? He's a prolific writer. You bring up uh, Man with a Golden Arm, which, of course, was made into a movie starring Frank Sinatra, very famous. Uh, For that same book, Man Man with a Golden Arm, he won the National Book Award for fiction, uh, one of the very first, actually, back in the day. Uh, And just before he died in, I believe, 1981, he was inducted into the Academy of Art and letters. So it's important to see, you know, even though he wasn't as popular or people were kind of pushing against his work, he was still well regarded, at least among people that were criticizing work to be a good writer. So uh, I want to ask you kind of to close up, uh, what is Nelson Algren's legacy? uh, And why does the DI and his work of the DI, why is it important to preserve his legacy? Or I guess, how can we preserve his legacy uh, as a writer? and as someone who's earned these high accolades. Right. No, I love that question because his legacy, like I'll acknowledge, is very important, of course, but complicated. Very complicated. I'd say mainly because, you know, with people I talk to about Algren himself, unfortunately, it's obscured than, you know, more people would hope or even more people would think. Um, Because let's face it, you don't really... At least in my experience and what I've heard, you don't really hear about Algren in a lot of classes or just universities in general. You don't see him in anthologies or collections. And so, again, going back to the obscured aspect of it, um, part of it is about just making sure his work is more well known, bringing it to the forefront of society today. Because, you know, if you were to read his work and Consider the picture that he draws up of of Chicago or society in general and look at, you know, society today or even Chicago today. There's a lot more similarities than some people may think for better and for worse. And so it ties into that more general thing of a lot of the things that he writes about, a lot of the problems, the issues, the things that are pushed away, the things that he writes about are still very present to this day. And it's sort of, it brings into this, this need for people to give voice to those who are underserved, to those on the fringes of society. Um, and just continuing that tradition of, um, 
what, you know, one of his friends, Russell Banks, who is a writer in his own right, um, you know, he talked about this concept of the social conscience and how Algren's writing really embodied that concept in the sense of this awareness for every part of society. And when I say every, like truly every part, both the good and the bad, the beautiful and the not so beautiful. Um, and how art, whether writing or otherwise, is, you know, should reflect each part, going back to those parts. And so, you know, that's part, that's a, my main reason as to why his legacy is important. And so it also ties back to the thing of like, you know, he started off as a reporter here at the Daily Illini. And he was able to take that position. Again, he followed a more un, like non-traditional path, but he still used what he learned to really give voice to those who didn't have a voice. And I think a lot of us here at the university, whether, you know, DI or WPGU or otherwise, um, I think that's not only just a thing that we do, a responsibility, and give voice to those who don't have it. And so I think that's something that journalists and writers nowadays can learn from him, students can learn from him, teachers learn from him, really like anyone can learn from him. Um, and so I would say that that is the importance of his legacy and why it needs to be sustained. Absolutely. JP, thank you for taking some time to speak with us about Nelson Algren. It's been great. I appreciate it. Thank you so much.